So, last night, the second half of Dark Side of the Ring debuted, and it was basically focusing on the plane ride from hell, the infamous uh, trip back from London to the United States after the Insurrection pay-per-view uh, for the Raw brand, although they didn't really say Raw brand, but it mainly was a Raw pay-per-view in London. And um, I'll say this about... I'll say this about the episode. Um, I thought it was a good start. I thought it was an interesting start. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have already heard many stories being told about the plane ride from hell and everything. Um, but they were able to get better, you know, perspectives as to what happened and everything. They even got one of the flight attendants who basically, you know, was just, you know, overwhelmed with what happened. And... You know, she even said that, it. you know, this is, she basically said that this is one of the reasons why she basically felt uncomfortable wanting to talk about this. But she did say that um, after she talked to her daughter, finally, um, she, well, they talked about this anyway in the confidential sneak peek uh, a couple of weeks prior. Uh, but basically, the flight attendant they talked to you know, at first didn't want to do it, and then after telling her daughter what, exactly what happened finally, she, I guess her daughter encouraged her, hey, go out there and, and, and you know, and talk about this, you know, uh, give you give your side of the story of what happened. And she does, but you could definitely tell that um, she's not very comfortable in talking about it. She even says that, you know, towards the end of the um, the the show, that she's not, she basically felt, you know, uncomfortable talking about it because it's something that she wants to try to forget, obviously. She doesn't want to remember, you know, at all. But, you know, she does remember it very, from her point of view, very vividly because she was there. You know, she was there. Um, you know, so, you know, they talked to her, and you could kind of tell that. It's kind of basically like a two-sided story deal between the sides. Like, you know, she has her side of what happened. And then you have the wrestlers, the superstars uh, that were on that flight that they interviewed, uh, giving their side of it. And, and you can kind of tell that, you know, the wrestlers are kind of like, yeah, that, you know, some of this that she's telling you, because obviously they relay what, you know, each other say, uh, what one has said to the, to the others, like, you know, the, the relay what she's saying to, like, the wrestlers, and they'll, they'll relay what the wrestlers are saying to her and stuff like that. And basically, you know, again, it's a, it's a, it's a story, it's basically a story of, it's a, it's a tale of two stories is what it is, because, like I said, the wrestlers, the superstars who are on the flight, you know, they feel like, you know, what this lady is saying is not accurate, that it doesn't add up, but, you know, yet she says it does. You know, she counters by saying everything, you know, that, you know, happened is true, and she even has another flight attendant that felt the same way, that suggested that she do what she did, and that's go to court, or take WWE to court for what happened, and which she did, and it resulted in them settling out of court. So... So yeah, they um, they went back and forth, like I said, on the whole situation, and um, you know they they did address a lot of stuff, like they addressed uh, Ric Flair and how he acted during the the flight, and 
You know, they even said that Rick Flair, because what they do when they can't, you know, get a hold of somebody for the for the episode, they, you know, just go by what um, they uh, that person that wrestler, um, you know, last said about the incident, and uh, basically, uh, Rick Flair to this day, according to the little um, caption at the bottom when they were talking about it, said that even to this day. He attests that nothing really happened. He doesn't know what, you know, he, he basically, he's denying, you know, what, what this lady's saying. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. If you've been drinking a little bit, um, you basically, uh, you know, that'll basically cause your memory to get fuzzy. Um, that's the one thing I have to I have to point out here is that, you know, when you drink, and believe me, you know, myself and my sisters and, you know, at times... Uh, when we've drank a little too much, you know, we won't remember what we said the next day or maybe months from now, after, you know, from that night. So, when you drink a lot, especially if it's heavy liquor, um, you know, you're, you're basically not going to remember, not even, you know, months, maybe even years after it happened, you're not going to remember what you did. So, what this flight attendant says Ric Flair did to her... Um, you know, it might have happened, but he and the other wrestlers, you know, don't remember because they, you know, they were drinking a lot. Maybe, you know, some not drinking as heavy as the others, but, you know, they were still drinking. So maybe they don't remember. And of course, you got to remember some of these men and women, mostly the guys they were talking to, you know, they get a lot of chair shots to the head, you know, by chairs, um, you know, trash cans, barbed wire at times. So, you know, it's going to scramble a few brain cells, there's no doubt. So that would basically scramble any memory of exactly what happened. Although these are the kind of events you don't, you know, tend to tend to forget, especially when you're a part of them. But, yeah, again, the, the show is basically a tale of two stories. It's like it's the flight attendant story versus the wrestler's story and, and things like that. Um... Now, she does say that the person, one of the people that she had to <laughs> uh, basically deal with was Dustin Rhodes. Now, they didn't get Dustin, which I was surprised they didn't get Dustin Rhodes for this because he was on there. But it was Dustin that had to stop Ric Flair from pestering this lady and making her do things she didn't want to do. I mean, she even says at one time, he, you know, whip, you know, he's, because what he's doing is he's just, Obviously, he's drunk and all that. You know, he's strolling around doing Ric Flair kind of woo kind of thing. And they say basically this is typical for Rick to do when he wants to let loose and everything. He'll just put on his robe, you know, be stripped naked or whatever. And uh, But this time it went a little too far because I think he might have been drinking. Or he was drinking. And basically, she states that he made her uh, touch his you-know-what. You know, and he was making advancements towards her. He had trapped her in what is known as the galley. He had trapped her in the galley. So she couldn't, you know, really get out. And Dustin, according to what the flight attendant said, had to be the one to be like, Rick, leave her alone. Let her be. So, yeah, it was... Basically, like I said, it's a tale of two sides, if you will, uh, if you want to look at it that way. Um, but, yeah, they explained everything of how this all came about. They explained how they went on the trip. You know, how they made various stops by plane, if you will, to, you know, places and to the shows in Germany and in Switzerland. And then finally concluding in London, England at Wembley Arena for insurrection. And the lady, 
did mention that they would go out and they would hang out with them because, you know, they don't get to really do it that much, especially, you know, since at that time, according to what she said, you know, she just um, had a daughter, so she doesn't, you know, she didn't really have much time to, to um, you know, go out and relax and just enjoy herself. And, you know, that's what she did. You know, she decided to take this opportunity to go out and enjoy herself. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I look at it this way, you know, having a child is a blessing and it's great. And I'm, and she's proud of that. She's proud to have a daughter. Uh, but the thing is, you know, when you combine that with a job like what she has, you know, what, you know, getting a break once in a while is, is pretty, uh, what, what's the one I'm looking for? Lethargic, if you will. It's pretty, it's pretty lethargic. Uh, you know, basically therapeutic. Therapeutic is the word I'm looking for. It's pretty much therapeutic. And um, she was she was glad to be hanging out with them. You know, just having a few drinks here and there at the bars when they would you know do that after the shows. But then it was the it was the flight. You know, on the way back to the states, that really things got out of hand. And they explained that they had to book because they had to be in Hartford. Uh, two days afterwards because the pay-per-view uh, in London because pay-per-views I guess wrestling wise happen on Saturdays uh, in London uh, which would explain why uh, SummerSlam 92 was taped on a Saturday but then aired on a Monday um, the thing is uh, they had to be back in time and they couldn't get on a regular flight so they had to book a, a charter flight they had to book one of those expensive uh, charter flights to where you just have the plane to yourself. It's just you and the people you know, um, and you have access to be able to have anything you want to drink, anything you want to eat. You know, uh, you you're, you're basically flying in the lap. You're flying in the lap of luxury, is what it, what it is. You're you're basically flying in the lap of luxury. You know, on the way to your destination, and she basically they basically all say that this is what they did. Uh, the flight attendant says that this is probably the nicest, you know, <laughs> plane that she's been on because the rug was bigger than the rug she has at home, or she had at home. And, um, you know, they, they're all getting on board and everything, or getting ready, you know, yeah, yeah, they're basically all on board, I should say. They're all on board the plane, getting ready to uh, take off when they get the um, news that there's going to be a delay. Now, of course, like anybody that's been on a flight like I have, you're thinking, oh, it's 30 minutes, an hour at least, you know, two hours at most. These guys had to wait for about seven to eight hours, and that wasn't good. So what they did to buy the time is they brought out liquor carts, and they would pour the superstars and personnel liquor uh, to kind of buy the time. They would also give them, you know, bring them stuff to eat, you know, because, you know, they had to wait. Uh, on the tarmac until they were able to go and it was all because of a weather delay in Connecticut not in London or across the Atlantic so it was mainly in Connecticut that caused them to um, have to be delayed in England so anyways you know they're like I said they're serving them the alcohol they're giving them they're bringing stuff to eat for them but then as she pretty much points out and I think some of the wrestlers also uh, coincided with this a little bit but mostly of the flight attendant you know, points out, uh, basically, after that one cart of liquor was demolished, you know, not li not literally, but figuratively, like the, the liquor was gone, you know, they brought in a second cart, and, you know, you know, as, it's almost like 
from what she was saying that as soon as they brought that in that second cart of liquor that was gone that was demolished so they brought in a third cart and this is where basically she she and some of the star some of the wrestlers started saying that that's when things started to get a little cuckoo a little bit like people were having too much and it even got to the point that according to the flight attendant you know they were going to you know that the wrestlers uh, were starting to pour the uh, liquor into the glass themselves like the flight attendants are supposed to be the ones to serve you the drinks bring you the food and all that right the wrestlers that were on the flight back the raw brand the raw brand wrestlers at that time were basically pouring the drinks they started to basically pour them themselves and everything and uh PJ Polanco, uh, known as Just Incredible, he, you know, basically, you know, he basically states that, you know, um, it didn't matter, you know, how, well, basically he says, basically from what I can tell, from what I can recall by watching it, uh, he basically states that it wouldn't have mattered if they tried to prevent them from getting another cart or anything, because I think they brought in another cart of liquor. But, and everything, and again, that's when things started to get a little weird. But PJ basically says it wouldn't have mattered, you know, what they tried to do. They were going to get to, if they wanted that liquor, they were going to get to it and pour it themselves. You know, he even states that Ric Flair, being who he is, has enough money to where he could be like, here, you know, we'll take that cart now, thank you. And that would be it. Um, but afterwards, afterwards... If you will. Afterwards, they finally do, after the delay that is, they finally do take off. And then that's when everything goes straight to, you know, where. Because, you know, everybody's trying to relax. Like, okay, you're on a flight, long flight, you like this, you want to like, you, you, and you have something like this in the back of your seat most times. You just want to lean back a little bit. If it lets you lean back, you lean back. Or the chair that, if it, the chair that is, if it lets you lean back a little bit, you can lean back. And you just want to, like, rest and everything, right? You know, kind of sleep a little bit before you get to your destination. Well, what happened was, you know, some of the superstars tried to do that, but the rest ended up being very reckless. Like, Kurt Henning, they talk about Kurt Henning that, you know, as soon as they, they knew he came back into the company, that, you know, him, being ha him having a reputation of being a prankster, uh, when he was in the company prior, and even, I guess, during his tenure in WCW, uh, they knew that him coming back in, you know, the pranks were going to resume, and they did. And um, they resumed with him, according to what, you know, many of the stars said, you know, him basically shaving, uh, putting shaving cream on Brock Lesnar's head and smashing it. And Brock then comes running after him down the hallway and then that's when that whole incident where you know they're tackling each other down and everything well Brock basically lifts him up I should say you know the tossing around the breaking some of the chairs you know like the armrest and you know some of the chairs literally and it gets to the point that they're all the way towards the emergency exit and that basically long story short uh, they say that even though they didn't break the exit they didn't break the door that if they would have you know, hit the defueling uh, portion of it, that would have caused a lot of the pressure to to let out. And the last thing you need to do is do an emergency landing in the middle of nowhere, mostly in the middle of the Atlantic. And, you know, even the flight attendants, like, 
you know, where are we going to land for an emergency? In the Atlantic? You know, but yeah, that may have been what would have happened. So thankfully that didn't, you know, so thankfully, you know, JR, he was told, because he's up in front with uh, Vince and some of the other personnel and everything, and he's told, you got to come back here, something's going on. So JR goes back there, sees what's happening, and he's able to try to break it up. JR, basically, who they did get for this um, uh, video, uh, for this uh, for this episode, I should say, JR was like, you know, he felt like he was watching kids. It's like, you know, yeah, he's in charge of the, t you know, he's in charge of talent and everything at that time, but he felt like he was in, he was watching kids. Like, you know, these are grown men that I think the term they used were acting like high school jocks is what they were. You know, that's what, you know, she's, they perceived them to, to be acting like, or they basically said they were acting like, because they said that what it was that, again, that spewed this was the alcohol, all of the amounts of alcohol they took, and it was basically the equivalent of, let's say, a high school team, you know, hanging out, waiting for the bus to leave, or waiting for a bus to get, you know, repaired or brought to them to take them home, and they have access to a lot of alcohol that they shouldn't have access to, and they start drinking it and drinking it, and all the way home, they start acting stupid, if you know what I mean. And that's basically what they jocked this up as being the equivalent almost of. And, you know, long story short, JR just felt like he was, in the end, felt like he was watching a bunch of kids, and he didn't like it. And it wasn't, and that wasn't the end of things either. They even say that uh, Michael Hayes had a lot to drink, and you know he even put some things in his drink. They even mentioned that they put stuff in the drink sometimes to help them relax or whatever, like GBCs or something like that. And Michael Hayes got so wasted one time that, oh uh, yeah, not one time, but during that flight, I should say, um, he got wasted so much during that flight that basically he went up to Bradshaw. JBL, who I'm surprised they didn't get because he's freelance. I mean, I know he's connected to WWE, but come on, John. This is something you could talk about. You wouldn't be in trouble because of your you know, association with WWE. I don't think he would have faced any consequences. But basically what happens is that he goes up to Bradshaw and, you know, because Bradshaw, Bradshaw's just like trying to relax. He's trying to sleep, right? And, you know, you know he's trying to sleep. Like, you know, he's trying to relax and everything like this. And you know, Hayes, according to what they said, came up to him and just, bam, punched him right in the face. And this busted, because Bradshaw had already been busted up during the match um, on the on the show. He had already been busted up on the show uh, during the match. So what happened is that he says that Michael Hayes just went, bam, to a sleeping Bradshaw. This wakes Bradshaw up. It busts him open again. And Bradshaw just goes wailing away, you know, um... Well, not wailing away, but he just basically goes, boom, almost like a slap, and knocks Hayes down, which, you know, they did get a chuckle in, a chuckle at remembering, because no one had ever done that to Michael Hayes. No one had ever slapped or punched or slapped and knocked out Michael Hayes. So, yeah, Michael Hayes, uh, basically, after that, was knocked down, and um, he... I guess he got back up and he went sit down in his seat and after another drink or so and he fell and he fell asleep and he, he was out of it because he had too much and the punch and all that by Bradshaw in retaliation to what he did kind of I guess added to him finally just settling down having one more drink and knocking out but he was so out at that time 
he was so out at that time, and I think he was sitting sitting in front of Bradshaw that Bradshaw had to move, and they get X Pac. Who again, I'm surprised they didn't get either for this one, because you know even though he's connected to WWE, come on, he's a free agent. He can say whatever he wants, right? They didn't get Sean Waltman. Come on, this guy's a great storyteller. Um, anyway, anyway, they asked Sean to come over, and Sean. Basically, because they like to play, because they were, again, drinking a little bit. They wanted to play some pranks on, on Hayes, as well as teach him a lesson about what he did. They grab his ponytail, and they go, snip! And, <laughs> yeah, they basically, you know, they take, and then they take it like a trophy, uh, just to basically see what his reaction's going to be when he wakes up. And when he does wake up, he's not happy. He keep, you know, he goes... Uh, around asking who did this, do they know who did it? And JR basically says that when they got to the arena that day, oh, to the arena on Monday, I should say, uh, you know, somebody asked him, do you see, did you see what they did with Michael Hayes' ponytail? And he's like, no. And they pointed, and they point him in the direction where it basically the superstars hung the ponytail up in a plastic bag on the door. JR grabs it and he says, I just threw it away. Because it's like, you know, that... Because he basically felt that that wasn't necessary for them to do. Anyway. So, yeah. Anyway, JR, um, you know, like I said, he, he was not happy. He was he was disappointed, you know, in the actions of the stars and everything. And because he was in charge of talent relations, basically he was in charge of the talent, it fell upon him to basically deal out the consequences. Like Vince, okay, here's the thing. They did confirm what a lot of people suspected here. That, you know, everything goes through Vince. The guy that writes the checks, he has the final say. Everyone has pretty much known that. So, anyway, um, Vince basically puts it on JR. And JR basically is like, it all fell upon me. I had to do something. And Vince is like, you got to come up with a punishment because this is an embarrassment. This is an embarrassment for us. Us. This is an embarrassment for me. This is an embarrassment for the company. You know, you got to do something. You know, you got to do something, right? So, JR, you know, he's assi he's assigned with, you know, dealing out the punishments. Whether it's fines, suspensions, or firings. So, JR basically has to go, and because of the problems some of these stars had previously with substance abuse and all that, he had to fire some of them. He had to fire Kurt Henning, um, and he had to fire Scott Hall. And... You know, everybody thought, you know, with Henning being fired, that, okay, Henning's not going to be gone long. They're going to bring him back, and he'll be fine. Unfortunately, of course, as we all know, Kurt Henning passed away, uh, from what they understand, from what they could tell, you know, not that long afterwards. You know, basically, 2003, he passed away. So, they're assuming he passed away less than a year after this happened. And then Scott Hall, according to uh, JR, JR had to... You know, call call him up and said, "Look, you know, we made a mistake putting you back on the road. Um, you know, you're not ready, so you know we got to let you go." And that's what they did. They let him go, and you know, of course, as we know, afterwards he ended up in TNA. You know, in the during the uh, uh, first couple of episodes, you know, he ended up in T he ended up back in TNA. But the thing, or he ended up not back in TNA, but he ended up in TNA when it was known as NWA TNA. But anyway, yeah, they had to let him go because of his abuse, his substance abuse, and the fact that according to P.J. Blanco, just incredible, he was so out of it, they thought he was he was dead. They thought, oh my God, 
you know, is he dead? But he wasn't. He was just totally passed out. And PJ basically had to pick him up and put him down in a wheelchair. He said he had to pick him up, get him a wheelchair, put him down in it, put sunglasses on him, and wheel him uh, um, through customs. He had to wheel him through customs and everything. Uh, basically making up something like, oh, he was sick or whatever. But he had to wheel him through, through customs. And he states that when he wheeled him through customs and got to where JR was, he starts seeing JR. And JR's like, not happy. And PJ's like, look, I'm here. I'm willing him, you know. So, yeah, it was um, it was not a good sign for Scott. And they did kind of get Scott a little bit. Not really. It was a voiceover, I think, they had from a previous interview they did with him. But, uh, yeah, they did get Scott's um, uh, vocal acknowledgement about what happened. Because according to the flight attendant, you know, you know, he was so out of it that you know, when she went to check on him, you know, he was waking up and he grabbed her, opened, he grabbed her basically causing, I think, her top to open a little bit. And he said he was going to lick her and he was, and I think he was about to do that or something. Or he did, I don't know. Um, I have to go back and rewatch a little bit of it, but I know she said he started to try to lick her. And when she tried to get away, he was like holding on to her like he was going to do something else. And then he just passed out. And then that's when she was able to like, you know, get out of there. And I think that's what caused her to basically be like, you know, I'm going to stay in the galley for the rest of the flight. I am not going to go out there. You know, because she didn't want to deal with the BS that was happening. But yeah, it was, yeah, it was an um, interesting flight to say the late. To say the least, when you look at when you hear it from both sides of the equation, it was an interesting flight, uh, no doubt. I mean, they talked to Mike Kyoto, who was there um, as well, you know. And again, even he acknowledges, yeah, there was this, you know, he. I don't think he had anything to drink, but he can definitely tell that those that were drinking a lot were really just, you know, hammered. They were getting to the point to where they were becoming belligerent. Even uh, Terry Reynolds, they got Terry Reynolds, Marlena. Um, as she was known in w, uh, WWE, um, they got her, and she's like, you know, she's basically saying the same stuff, you know, you know, if, you know, she's explaining one that she's impressed by the plane that they got and everything that, you know, she has never seen something like that in a while, if at all, and um, you know, she, you know, she basically. Um, uh, she basically, uh, you know, just, you know, told her side of things. You know, she just explained how things went from her point of view, what she experienced. You know, she even says that Brock tried to come on to her. And, you know, there were some of the wrestlers that denied that he didn't do that. And uh, one of the things that they kept saying when it came to some of these situations is, don't sell it. In other words, don't, basically, don't let them get to you and everything. So... You know, you know, Terry says that Brock tried to come on to her. Some of the wrestlers are like, I, I don't remember that happening. If it did, it did. We don't, we can't say. And I think JR even said that. It's like, I, I don't remember Brock doing that. But if it did, it did. Who's, who's to say? And the same thing with Ric Flair. He's like, I don't know if that happened or not. But if it did, it did. So, um, anyway, um, anyway, um, they, you know, Terry, like I said, she says her st side of things. She talks about how Dustin started singing to her, because we heard about that story, like, he gets on the PA system, and he starts singing, you know, all these different, you know, love songs and stuff, and, 
basically it's embarrassing she's like oh my god oh my gosh you know and again that basically the term is like don't sell it don't don't let it get to you right don't don't sell it and finally um i think it's uh who is it? it's jr yeah it's i think it's jr uh, that gets to him and gets to dustin and tell him to cool down knock it off you know you know stop doing this and finally, Dustin sits down, and I think, according to what the flight attendant said, moments after he sat down, he passed out. You know, so he passed out after that. And, um, you know, she was able to get her PA speaker away from him after that. So, yeah, overall, um, when you watch this episode, it definitely tells you from both, as I said before, from both sides of the story, definitely, uh, pic definitely uh, paints you, I should say, not pictures, but paints you a... You know, I'll put it this way, a very hectic, chaotic, never want to go through this uh, kind of crap again like flight. And, yeah, I, I don't blame any of the wrestlers, you know, for agreeing not to go through that again. I don't blame any of the flight attendants that will still work, that probably, that were on that flight, that were working that flight, that are probably still working today. I don't blame them for not wanting to go through that again. You know, I don't blame them whatsoever. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, that never happens again. Now, according to JR, a lot of the stars, a lot of the young and up-and-coming stars like John Cena and the others that came in afterwards and those that had heard about it, those that were on the SmackDown side of things, and that was the noon whistle going off here in Newman, but those that heard about it that were on the SmackDown side of things, you know, pretty much are like, yeah, we're not going to go, yeah, we're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Basically... Basically, the lesson they learned was, if we have to be delayed, we ain't going through that crap again. And I think a good example of the fact that they didn't go through that crap again was when is when um, they all got trapped uh, for a little, for literally for a while, if you will, to the point that I think SmackDown had to take over Raw. That you know, basically because of the fact that uh, because of the you know deal WWE has with Saudi Arabia. They got trapped, the Raw stars anyway, got trapped in Saudi. So they had to rely on NXT and SmackDown superstars to help carry Raw that, that one day. So yeah, you know, uh, at least the lesson was learned because while they were waiting during that, you know, hectic moment, and maybe we'll see a dark side of the ring on that down the line, um, while they were waiting for that hectic moment to pass, at least they didn't do what happened, or at least they didn't repeat, I should say, what happened in 2002 with the superstars there. Uh, but anyway, though, it's an interesting watch. I highly recommend watching it. Like I said in the other video, I highly recommend watching the entire series. It is really, really good. It has spun off all these other series like Dark Side of the 90s, which finished up last night afterwards uh, with a new episode that came on after the Dark Side of the Ring. As well as, you know, they did a Dark Side of Football and I'm pretty sure they're going to have other dark sides though coming out as well uh, down the line because of the success of this original series. So I, like I said, I recommend checking it out. I recommend checking out this episode if you want a more, if you want a more um, interesting take of things you may may have already heard about, if not all didn't already knew, didn't know about. You know, I would suggest checking this out because again, you get the flight attendant, one of them that was on the flight. Uh, that saw this with her own eyes. I mean, she even said, because the one thing flight attendants are and maintenance are supposed to do after a flight is if there's any mess or anything uh, on the ground or in the seats, you got to clean it up, right? 
And she just tells the other flight attendants, we ain't doing that. Because what they saw on the ground was, you know, not just, you know, a whole mess of, like, uh, scraps of food and booze, you know, and booze and all that. Well, basically, stains of booze and all that, if you get get my drift. Uh, but they also saw, like, pills, syringes. And she's like, I'm not touching this. Uh, that's not my job. We're not touching this. And she's like, we, we're leaving. We're leaving, and and I think they, I think she even said that the per, the people in charge were like, well, you got to clean this up, and she's like, you know, we're not doing it. We're leaving, and that's what they did. I don't think she lost a job because of that. I don't think she lost a job because of that. But she, you know, because what she was doing, she was like, look, this is not our fault. It's their fault. We're leaving, <laughs> you know. So you know, that's what they, you know, so that's what happened. And uh, I'll say this, I when I saw her talk about the fact that they saw syringes and they were about to pick that up and I think she's telling the sled head, no, don't do that. We're not doing this. We're going to leave. This is not all mess to clean up. It did remind me of the fact that one of the things they would teach me at Walmart was if you're going to have to pick up something like a syringe, you got to have a glove because you don't know what that thing has. And they did show that one of the attendants had a glove uh, in the dramatization but basically, like I said, the flight attendant that they interviewed is like, no, we're not doing this. We're leaving. And that's what they did. So overall, though, like I said, if you want an interesting uh, take on what you've already heard and haven't heard about the plane ride from hell, you got to check out this episode because it's, I, thought it, I thought they did a decent job here. I thought they did a really good, decent job. Uh, next week, they're going to talk about Chris Canyon. They got DDP. They got the Young Bucks, which was a surprise. But I... And I think the reason they got the Young Bucks is because one thing about Canyon is he's always known as the innovator of offense. So I'm sure, and I think the Bucks may have worked with him before. So I'm sure the Young Bucks took inspiration on how they can be innovative in what they do. So they got the Young Bucks for this. They got Di- they got uh, Dallas Page for this. They got uh, James Vandenberg, a sinister minister, if you will. Uh, Father James Mitchell, as he's known uh, as well. They got him. So, they 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 got a, a from from what I've seen so far, they've got a decent uh, cavalry cavalry of, of people to talk about when it comes to to Chris Canyon and you know what he's gone through and everything or what he went through and everything uh, during his time on this planet, during his time in the business and things like that. So, anyway, though, guys, um, like I said, I highly recommend checking out uh, the Plane Ride from Hell episode for the. Uh, mid-season from premiere of Dark Side of the Ring. I think you'll enjoy it. And again, next week, they're going to be talking about Chris Canyon. And I can't wait for that one. So, till next time, guys. Let me know what your thoughts are down below in the comments, as well as in the live chat during the premiere. Like the video. Check out my Teespring store. And I am out. <laughs>